Today, as you've heard, is uh, the first Sunday on, uh, in the four-week period known on the Christian calendar as Advent. Technically, as I said in a newsletter article, the days leading up to December 25th are not the Christmas holidays. They are the holy days of Advent. Even more technically, those of us who call ourselves Christians should probably avoid saying Merry Christmas during this time because the season of Christmas does not even begin until December 25th, and then it lasts 12 days. That's why the song is the 12 days of Christmas, and it it ends uh, with the celebration of Epiphany on January 6th. Now, if you want to inspire some really quizzical looks, greet people for the next 20 days or so with Happy Advent. And I am sure some of them will think that's because you have declared war on Christmas. (laughs) But really, by way of analogy, saying, saying Merry Christmas before the actual birth that we celebrate is the same as saying happy birthday or hallelujah, he has risen during the season of Lent and before Easter. We wait till the actual day of Jesus' resurrection to say hallelujah, he has risen. Christians indeed would be, from past eras, would be scandalized to learn that there are Christian churches that include Christmas carols in worship before the actual celebration of Jesus' birth on the 25th. In past eras, the carols that we sung to Jesus were so special. They're like our best china that we only get out, right, for for Thanksgiving or or Christmas dinner. We only get them out when we're actually celebrating the birth of Jesus, not before. And of course, you know, the Puritans thought that it was inappropriate to celebrate Christmas at all. Shop owners who closed on Christmas Day could face fines or jail time for doing that. During the four Sundays of Advent, our our songs of worship express themes of longing and and of hope and and anticipation. In our hymnals, the songs of Advent, in the red hymnals, our songs of Advent are found on pages 195 through 216. And they include songs like, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, People Look east, blessed be the God of Israel, and O come, O come, Emmanuel, just to name a few of those. Now, all that said, and while I do want us to be cognizant of our Christian traditions around these holidays, so that we don't participate in that war on Christmas silliness, I have no desire to be legalistically uptight, dare I say puritanical, 
And you can know this because our worship theme throughout the season of Advent is the first songs of Christmas. And yet, I would encourage all of us to do what we can to hit our collective pause button, to take time to gather over these Sundays of Advent. And yes, one of those does fall on December 24th. So come in the morning for Advent 4, come in the evening for Christmas Eve. But take these times to listen some of the some of these very different songs to some of these very different songs than what we're accustomed to hearing on the radio at this time of year or when we're doing our shopping. Over the next four Sundays, we're going to listen to the songs that uh, what Scripture tells us precede and surround the birth of Jesus. Except for the song of Mary, Jesus' mother, all of these songs are sung by people that we may not be quite as familiar with. A priest named Zachariah, his, his wife, Elizabeth. Another by Simeon, a, a man described in Luke's gospel as a, a devoted temple worshiper. And we will listen to the song of the angels as well. This morning we are beginning with Elizabeth's song. And I'd like to give you a little context. As you may have gleaned from our scripture reading, after as Mary is told by the angel Gabriel that she will give birth to Israel's long-expected Messiah, she sets out, as verse 39 tells us, with haste to a Judean uh, town, a Judean village in the hill country. Now, scripture does not tell us the name of this town. But tradition maintains that the town is Ein Kerem. It's a town about 80 miles away from Mary's hometown of Nazareth, which means that the journey for Mary would have been eight or nine days at least. She didn't drive a Volkswagen. She would have walked. Now, Ein Kerem, this town, is close to two other cities that we have certainly heard of, Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And it would be about an hour's walk from this town of Ein Kerem uh, to Jerusalem, to the temple, which is convenient because Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, is a priest of the temple. Now, imagine that, walking an hour to worship, which I think some of you may have done if I'm looking out there and assuming correctly. Today, there are two churches in Ein Kerem. One is to mark the place where we think Mary and Elizabeth might have greeted each other. And the other is to mark uh, another site Uh, the place where Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist, was born. But I'm getting just a little ahead of myself. We'll get there. But I want you to notice that nothing in the Gospel of Luke tells us that Mary had, had said anything to anyone after her divine encounter with Gabriel, which is described in Luke 1, 26 through 38 
a passage that we know as the Annunciation. So this means that, that Mary did not tell her soon-to-be husband, Joseph. She did not tell her parents. She did not tell anyone, which makes sense given the story, doesn't it? And so the picture that we might have is of a very nervous teenage girl who sets out to see the one relative that she hopes might believe her story and won't judge her and will welcome her in and help her before her unusual pregnancy becomes impossible to hide. Oh, that some of us would be that relative to, to a teenager in distress. However, upon meeting her, her relative, Elizabeth, and before Mary says anything at all to her, Elizabeth perceives this extraordinary thing that is transpiring within Mary. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us, Elizabeth cried out, Blessed are you among woman, women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me? That the mother of my Lord has come to me. Elizabeth's words are known by their Latin title, Ave Maria which we've heard, I think, a couple of times today, and we'll hear again. But in my home church, this is special to me. When I was little, my dad would play a breathtaking version of the Ave Maria on his alto sax, and people would be in tears. This, the Ave Maria, might be considered the very first Christian praise song. Because like, like all Christian praise songs, there are very few lyrics. But it's jam-packed with meaning. First, there is this reference to the Holy Spirit in verses 41 and 42. Now, in the Old Testament, it is, is the prophets, and in very rare instances, kings of Israel, who are said to be filled with God's Spirit. But in Luke... The first two people to be filled with God's Spirit are not men. They are women. In Luke 1.35, the angel Gabriel had explained to Mary that the, the Holy Spirit would, would come upon her and that she would become the bearer of God's Son. The Theotokos uh, is the Greek word God-bearer. And then in Luke 1.41, it is the Holy Spirit that, that gifts Elizabeth knowledge of Mary's condition. As one scholar, a male, points out, here we see the first of many examples in Luke's gospel of a reversal of ordinary expectations. The women, not men, properly respond to the initiatives of God. Elizabeth and Mary, not Zechariah and Joseph, are the first to receive the message of the coming Christ. 
the first to respond in full faith to that news, the first to be praised and blessed by God's angelic messengers, and the first to sing about the Christ child. I want to back up uh, for just a minute because I want to make sure that all of us are well aware. I think we are, but it bears repeating. We only do this once a year, right? Uh, I want to make sure that all of us know that Elizabeth is also miraculously pregnant when Mary arrives to visit her. This is where we learn. uh, The story of how that happens is in Luke 1, 5 through 25. And that's where we read that even though Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, are well past childbearing years, Elizabeth has conceived. And in verse 25, Elizabeth Uh, who had been considered barren, declares, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. Elizabeth's extraordinarily late pregnancy should uh, be remembered along those same lines as those Old Testament stories like the pregnancy of Sarah who gave birth to Isaac, and the pregnancy of Hannah, who gave birth to the priest Samuel. And so it is the baby who will become John the Baptist that leapt in Elizabeth's womb when Elizabeth and Mary greet each other. And with all this in mind, I'd like to focus on just one final thing, one element of Elizabeth's song. According to To Luke, Elizabeth is the first person in all of the Gospels to declare Jesus as Lord. And she makes this proclamation even before his birth. The Apostle Paul will will note uh, in uh, Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't know that that Elizabeth believed that, but she certainly called this unborn child Lord. And I like what uh, Adam Hamilton writes about this in his book, The Journey. He writes, imagine Mary's feelings as she heard Elizabeth's words. It had been at least 10 days since Gabriel had appeared to Mary with this confusing announcement. She had spent the last nine days traveling with her secret. Uncertain, afraid, and wondering how any of this could be true. But then, even before she could tell Elizabeth what had happened, Elizabeth showed her that she knew Mary's secret. And Elizabeth was filled with joy on Mary's behalf. At last, with the prophetic words of Elizabeth's song, this Ave Maria, Mary's fear gives way to joy for herself. And Mary then opened her own mouth and sang a song of praise to God. 
We're going to explore the lyrics of Mary's song next Sunday. But for today, I just want to emphasize how Elizabeth's song proceeds and evokes Mary's song. It's a good reminder to all of us that when we lift our voices in praise of God, those around us are given permission and encouragement to do likewise, no matter the quality of our voice. Amen.